Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At ST Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why ST Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, ST Bank is here to help. Learn how ST Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. This is the drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24/7 home of the black and gold. SNR Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome to The Drive. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. It's a lovely, well, sort of lovely Monday here. The sun is shining now after some early morning <laughs> rainstorms, and we've kind of skipped uh, over spring and right into right into uh, summer here. Uh, the Steelers wrapping up their uh, rookie minicamp uh, over the weekend, and they'll, uh, they'll be off now until next week when they have their uh, OTAs will start. And, uh, of course, we'll be broadcasting from down there. Uh, every day uh, in the afternoon from yeah, that's gonna be fun. Can't wait for that. And uh, of course, you can also listen to uh, Wes Euler and Arthur Motes uh, from ten to one. So six straight hours of Steelers coverage here on Steelers Nation Radio. Um, we'll get some live interviews, hopefully, and do some other stuff. And there'll be a little more news. But um, Matt, not a ton of news coming out of rookie minicamp, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, right. I mean, knock on wood. I mean. Sometimes you get an injury or something bad happens or some terrible report. And, and I'm not going to make too much out of this, but, you know, you sent it to me that Traylon Burks couldn't finish his first practice because of conditioning issues or whatever. Like that's negative. You know, we, we, right. we just want positive stuff here. And it sounds like that's the way it's working out so far with the Steelers. And great. And, you know, pull back the curtain. This week or so is difficult to come up with content. I mean, if any of you out there you know, have something specific that we haven't touched on, tweet us, whatever. I mean, that, that that's certainly something we are always open to. Um, but once we get down there, it'll be great just to see football again, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and for people wondering what these rookie minicamp look like, um, yeah, yeah. I, I just – Everything, uh, the only sessions that we were allowed to watch were on Friday and Saturday. Sunday, they, they didn't uh, have an open session. I assume, as they have typically done in the past, um, and maybe they didn't do that on Sunday, but then maybe they'll do that later in the, in the summer here. Um, the Steelers send their rookies every year down to Mel Blunt's youth home, and, mm-hmm. he, and they do a little thing down there with the, with the rookies. Uh, so whether they did that on Sunday or not, I don't know for sure, um, but – we were only allowed to watch the walkthrough portion of practices on Friday and Saturday. So anybody telling you that this guy looked good or that guy looked good <laughs> right. is full of hooey. <laughs> Cause that's yeah. I mean, they didn't see any more than, than you did or anyone was allowed. If, if someone wants to say, boy, George Pickens really looks the part or, you know, stuff like are, that is different. Yes. Yeah. But somebody, t- and, yeah. Yeah. Talking right. about how this guy, you know, through the football or that guy, that guy looked great. Uh, there's none of that. Uh, yeah. they're not even in, they're not even in pads They're in shorts and, and shirts and they're, <laughs> they're, they're walking through how they're going to have a practice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that's what the, that's what that whole session was. I will say this. I thought that Kenny Pickett commanded the huddle and had that, the 
air of a quarterback about him. And I don't I know. That that, I don't something. know that you could always say that about rookie quarterbacks in their first practice with a new team. I think that's tremendous, and I think that's not just pulling out something to talk about because I do think that a command, a comfort level is very important for rookie quarterbacks. And I know, you know, preseason doesn't matter, but I mean, I think there's something to take away from seeing an NFL rookies at that position first couple games. And do they look like they belong or not? I often say this just, and it doesn't mean that they're, can have a great career or a bad career, but I really think step number one, hurdle number one for a rookie quarterback is, do you look like you belong? And rookie minicamp isn't exactly the most challenging endeavor. You know, they're learning how to practice, but looking like you belong even there, I think carries a lot of weight and is a very positive sign. Yeah. And I'll say this, you know, I remember talking to Bruce Arians about this. Oh man, this is 15 years ago. And he said, you know, the, the last thing he says, you know, with a lot of these quarterbacks coming out of college now, they've never taken a snap under center. Right. They've never called plays in the huddle. Um, you know, so how do you handle that? And, and I thought I didn't see any, you know, screw ups in those regards. Um, and, and remember, not only are you learning this brand new offense and terminology and all that stuff. And yes, they're kind of spoon feeding it to you day by day. Of course. But you get to play from the coordinator. Then you have to go to the huddle, relay that to the other 10 guys in the huddle, none of whom you've ever met before this weekend, for the most part. Definitely a challenge. And so, you know, I thought he handled that really well. Right. And, you know, play calls are elaborate. You know, it's not just, you know, in college, sometimes you just call Texas and everybody knows what to do. Or, you know, I mean, just, just relaying it from what you hear forcefully and with confidence and knowing what you're saying and looking at everyone in the huddle in the eye. And I'm the guy here, you know, let's go. I'm going to get you in the right spots to succeed. And then I'm going to get you the football when you're open and I'm going to get you in the right plays. And I'm going to be a great conduit between the coaching staff and you young guys while we're out here. I got it. You know, I mean, I think there's a lot of value in that. Yeah. And I, I think the first thing that you said there that was the most important was the confidence yeah, yeah. Because if you walk into that huddle and you aren't confident with the rookies, staggering all over yourself, and you know, right. When the veterans get there and you start calling out plays and they think you don't know what the heck you're talking about, <laughs> it shows. It's gonna, you're gonna, yeah. It, 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 you lose that confidence level and and that that they have, and if they're not confident that you know what you're doing, the play is destined to fail. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're 100 right. I mean, there certainly is. And even some great quarterbacks will tell you, like, I I faked it till I could make it. I was confident, but I wasn't real sure of the plays, but I was going to go out there and, you know, give it all I had and deliver the football with authority and, you know, run through a wall for my teammates. And even that stuff, you know, certainly um, makes a positive impression early on. But if you have a command of the offense and the plays and the audibles and things like that, and again, and you can screw that, in a strong, confident manner, even in mini camps, I think that's a great sign. And uh, frankly, when when rookie quarterbacks don't look like they belong early on, I don't think that's the end of the world. Right. But rarely do the ones that do look like they belong fail. You know, they may not all go yeah. on to be Hall of Famers, but they usually make it. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And, and, and so I, I think that was a nice first step uh, for Kenny Pickett. And I thought largely the same of, of you know, Chris Olatikon as well. Uh, he looked apart and, and, you know, commanded the huddle and did all that stuff. Good. Um, outside of that, there really wasn't much to, to gain from watching these practices. It just, there just wasn't, I mean, I wouldn't think, you know, I, I, I did note that, you know, George Pickens and, and, and uh, Calvin Austin are both hands catchers. Uh, that's okay. always, that's always a plus. Uh, sure, sure. You know, you won't, you don't want them cradling the ball into their body and things like that on crossing routes. You want them plucking the ball out of the air. Uh, mm-hmm. They both did that. Um, and I thought they both, Pickens in particular looks like he comes as advertised. I mean, that there's, there's, you know, he's a big physically imposing wide receiver who can run. Yeah. And uh, let's take a step here. Like what do you mean he's a hands catcher? Everybody catches a ball with their hands. Well, not really. You know, like one of the things I even taught my uh, flag football kids and I've learned it the first day at Pitt, JD Brookhart, our wide receiver coach, Larry Antonio Bryant's wide receiver coach. And what do you catch football with? Catch a ball with your eyes. You don't catch a ball with your hands. You don't, you know, you catch the ball with your eyes. And by being a hands catcher, as you mentioned, is a big deal because, first of all, you don't want the ball, in, in most cases, sometimes you want to cradle it and box people out. You don't want the ball to get into your shoulder pads, into your body. That uh, certainly can bounce off your pads, your breastplates, those type of things, and you know, make it more difficult. But people don't even think about this. But being a hands catcher means that I touch the football a fraction of a second earlier than if I let it get to me. Right. I mean, who the hell cares about one third of a second? It makes a big deal. I mean, the ball <laughs> comes out in two and a half. So if you can take, if you can shade a few tenths off of that by, you know, plucking the ball either over a defensive back or before he gets there, just that instance, I mean, it is a game of inches. It really is. Especially when, when you put, you know, starter caliber, uh, defenders on the field as well. And, and they, right. you know, they've done their work. They've studied. Uh, they're also extremely talented athletes. And so they know what you're, you know, they, they can know what you're running, but that 10th of a second that you just talked about is the, the difference. is the difference between making a catch or, or having them break it up. Yeah. I mean, and hopefully these guys aren't double catching it, you know, hits the hands and you got to catch it again. You know, like I often reference with Larry Fitzgerald because I was fortunate to be with him all the time. Most of his catches in practice, you never heard the ball hit his hands. You know, his, his fingertips, his hands were so strong yet soft that he would reach far away from his body with a wide catching radius and just stick to him, you know, like and, and secured it. And catching the ball is great away from your body, but if you don't have the strong hands to get it from outside your body to a position people are going to hack it out of the way you know so that's part of it as well um i think these two receivers are just extremely interesting to me though and what all they can do with them yeah honestly i I think the additions you know i don't know if it makes their receiving core better right now than it was last year Mm -hmm. i i tend to think that it does given what we saw last the way that they ended last year, I'm talking regular season. That's it, it depends on what you value Juju in this. You didn't have Juju so Smith-Schuster yeah. most right. of that season anyways. Um, so, you know, is this, is this a better group? Is George Pickens an upgrade from 
uh, James Washington. Well, absolutely. I think so immediately, probably. Yeah. And I also think that, uh, you know, Austin is an upgrade from Ray Ray McLeod. I think he's a better version of Ray Ray McLeod. Yes. Maybe not the second on both those guys because they are true rookies, but it shouldn't take long for those guys to get over those barriers. You know, if that's, again, hurdle number one, be more effective than James Washington, George. Okay. Uh, and you, you need to be better than McLeod. Okay. I mean, I can and get that's, over that. That's not – that's, that's not, not crazy. Yeah, that's not downgrading anything that those guys did. Um, no. You know, I just think that these these guys have more potential, particularly Austin over McLeod. Right. I agree. I, I just think he's. I think he's more of a route they runner. Had a, I think. Yeah, they had a plan for Ray Ray McLeod last year. They force fed him the football. Now, some of that was because Juju Smith-Schuster was out. But he ended up with 37 catches last year. Mm-hmm. And he averaged like seven and a half yards a catch. Like, that's not good enough. Not good enough. Again, I'm not bashing McLeod or even Washington, as you mentioned. Both those guys have gotten fine contracts with other NFL teams. They're NFL players. I think defenses wanted to see McLeod. Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At ST Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why ST Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, ST Bank is here to help. Learn how ST Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. On the field, they wanted to see you getting him the ball. Um, I was very critical, you know, week to week of man, McLeod played 50 snaps again this week. I mean, that's <laughs> and some of it was because somebody get hurt mid game. I mean, there's some extenuating circumstances and obviously he was somebody they trusted, but if he's playing 30, 40, 50 snaps a game, the defense is happy about it. You know I mean? It's yeah. just, he doesn't bring enough to the table as a blocker, as a outside the numbers route runner, you know, where I think Austin can do more than just gadgety stuff. And I, I, I didn't I think we would talk this much about receivers, but the more I think about it, and I, I don't know if you agree or not, but I think Deontay and Pickens, ideally, when all everyone settles in, are your outside guys, Claypool in the slot, and you could also have some packages where either Miller or Austin is the slot, and Claypool either goes out wide or somebody comes off the field. You know, like I, I don't know this slot problem is a problem. No, and I got I have Ray Ray McLeod's combine numbers here in front okay. of me. So he measured in at the combine at five foot ten and one hundred and ninety pounds. Now I guarantee you that he didn't. Uh, you know he bulked up to get there. One ninety is probably the number that him and his agent were trying to hit. Right. Yeah. You know, he he probably played at. 180 pounds tops last year. And as a Steeler, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And he was a sixth round draft pick. He ran a four, five, three, 40. I never thought of him as vertically explosive, right? That's just not what he was. He was, he was more of a jitterbug in space. Mm -hmm. Like in Um, a race, him and Austin aren't even competitive. It's not even, it's not close. Close. Right. Yeah. Uh, He had a 34 and a half inch vertical. That's fine. Which is fine. Now right, I can right, right. I compare that with what Austin did at the combine. 
he measured in at 5'8", 170 pounds. Okay, mm-hmm. that's he, he, the size is the size. We know he's small. He's 5'8". I mean, there's not many 5'8". He's not 5'8 and a quarter. He's 5'8". Yes. Uh, but he ran a 4'3'2". Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And had a 39-inch vertical. Mm-hmm. Again, Ray Ray McLeod had a 30, what was a 34 and a half inch vertical. Calvin Austin had a 39 inch vertical. See, that was one of my problems with McLeod and even said it last year, not even knowing anything about Austin at the time is, yeah, he's elusive. Yeah, he changes directions. Well, I just don't see explosion, you know, and that kind of reflects in the jump. And when he does get a crease, it's not like, whoa, you know, there is a burst there that you rarely see or, or, uh, how often did he run away from people? I, I just didn't see those components to him athletically. There was no fear of him getting behind you. Uh, and, uh, and right, 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 right. Whereas Austin's going to put that fear in the, in the teams. You know, he's Austin, yes. if he gets a step on you, it's by he's going he's going away. He's going to run away from you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they'll throw him deep balls. You agree with that? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if McLeod was ever targeted. 40 yards downfield. The other thing that's interesting, Calvin Austin's three cone drill was 6.65 seconds. Under seven is really impressive. Anything under seven is good. And he was way under seven. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously smaller than JJ Watt and Vaughn Miller and those guys that are under seven, but wow. I mean, he's not just a linear athlete to me either. I mean, no, I mean, he can, he can make you miss. Mm -hmm. Uh, 100%. And the difference was, you know, I'm looking here at Lance Zierlein's grades, prospect grades on both of those guys. And we've talked a lot about Lance Zierlein. We respect his work. Oh, yeah. Calvin Austin had a six grade, a grade of six, which means the traits are talent to be an above average backup. Mm-hmm. Ray Ray McLeod's grade was a 5.4. It doesn't sound like a big difference, but it's a big difference. It's a huge difference. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One a huge line roster player, one yeah. good, really high end backup, right? Yeah. So I, I think that's a huge step forward right there out of the gate. Um, and we, you know, I mentioned um, previously. Uh, I think I texted this Mike to Mike Pursuta because he was kind of he, he doesn't like the little guys, which I get one hundred percent. Calvin Austin's catch radius is over eighty inches. Right. He's not just a short arm, tiny. You've said he, out so many he times. Had the He's same, not he had close the same, to Dre Archer. The same wingspan as Chris Olave and Jahan Dotson. Yeah, yeah, right. Who aren't giants, but they're they're bigger, bigger than, than he is. Him. Yeah, right. And, and Dotson has a very wide wingspan for being his size too. You know, like we talked about plucking the ball away from your frame. You know, Austin's going to be able to do that. Some of these little guys, you got to hit them in the numbers. You know, I don't think yeah. that's the case with with Austin. But I keep seeing these comparisons by fans who really. Uh, I get it. You see a little guy and you think, well, that's just like the other little guys that the Steelers drafted. So the, uh, well, he's Dree Archer or he's, mm-hmm. you know, and he, no. He's going to return punts and that's it. Or, you know, this is a guy who played wide receiver and you brought up the fact 90% of his catches in college came outside the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, not a bad school either. I mean, against yeah. press man coverage, against corners that are going to try to bang him around. You know, if you were game planning against that offense, it's like, well, we got to get our hands on this little guy. You know, we can't give him free releases. And you know, everyone's keying on banging him at the line of scrimmage, safety over the top. And he's still doing traditional wide receiver stuff, you know. And I definitely think he can handle the 
jet motion end arounds, things like that, too, that Canada is going to like. Oh, and he comes screaming across the formation. A defense is going to react. A guy oh, runs, yeah, right. A right, guy right, that runs right. a four three two screaming across your for, formation. That's Tyreek Hill speed. speed. It is Tyreek Hill speed, you know, and just explosion coming straight at you. I'm curious. I mean, hand him the football. What's he going to do with it? I mean, I think he could break tackle. You know, I mean, and I'm not saying it's just going to be an illusion or you know just misdirection. But he's going to get some handoffs or some shovel passes, things like that. But I don't know that you're, he's going to get, you know, 15 carries his rookie year. Yeah, I don't know about that, but right. certainly he's going to get some. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I just think people are selling this kid a little bit short. No, no pun intended. Um, you know, I, I think well, he's yeah. – I, I looked up his stats, his game-by-game stats in college. And they played Cincinnati not this year but last year. Yeah, right, right, right. Now, Cincinnati had two cornerbacks who were drafted, including one this year who was drafted fourth overall, and Kobe Bryant was a fourth-round pick himself. And he won the award for best And he won the Thorpe, yeah. (laughs) Calvin Austin had seven catches for 132 yards against them. I think it was you that told me that somebody asked Sauce Gardner who's his hardest cover in his college career, and he said Austin. Yeah, well, that makes sense because he had seven catches for 132 yards against them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, that's what they're trying to that'll, take away. Yeah, that will leave a that'll leave a mark in your memory. Um, now he didn't score in that game. Sauce Gardner didn't give up a touchdown his entire college career, but Sauce Gardner is a six foot three, you know, hundred uh, two hundred pound cornerback who right, yeah, right. went fourth overall. Who you and I both think might be the best player in this draft. I would have considered him a one if I was Jacksonville. Right, you know, like I wouldn't have batted an eye. Um, while we're talking receivers, I, I know your thoughts on Anthony Miller, and I think everyone's sleeping on him, that I think yeah. he's going to make the team and has value and may even be the number one slot when it's all said and done, or certainly one of the slots when they go four wide. He should but not be forgotten he about. He should not be forgotten about. Right. Do you have hope for Boykin or Sims, you know, guys that have been in the league? Um, I don't have any... Sims Sims is very much in the same mold as um, Austin and Miller. He's a he's a yeah, smaller right, slot right, type right, guy. Right, right. And I might re- just remind people about Anthony Miller. Uh, talking about the uh, the grades that Lance Zierlein gives out, uh, Zierlein gave Anthony Miller a six point two grade. Okay, coming he out. He was a good school. prospect coming out. He was an outstanding prospect coming out. Oh, by the way, also went to Memphis. Oh, by the way, right, right, yeah. right. And <laughs> so, you know, this is a guy, in fact, uh, you know, uh, Austin talked about this on Saturday when we talked to him, that when he got to Memphis, Anthony Miller was the stud. Anthony Miller, Anthony was, Miller the, was the stud, yeah. Was the leader of that group of the, of their wide receivers. And he said, I, I learned a lot from Anthony Miller about how to be a receiver, how to work, how to do those kind of things. So Highly productive. Highly, highly productive. And he's been productive in the NFL. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I don't know where the disconnect has been the last year or two. Maybe it's his work ethic or personality or something, and he realizes it's time to put up or shut up, or he's in some bad situations. I mean, that Bears and Texans situation was not ideal for production. No, and he joined joined the Steelers halfway through the year last year, so it's not like he was going to come out and suddenly take over. Uh, but he had he had forty nine catches in twenty twenty. 
Yeah, right, right, right. He oh, no, 50, he's on, he had 52 catches in 2019. I mean, he's been on fantasy teams, you know, like <laughs> he's not yeah. just a total nobody. No, this um, is a guy that, that, that has done some stuff in the league. It's funny now that I didn't realize this until you just said this. They had there two Memphis guys, two Notre Dame guys, too. You know, one yeah. was kind of the I don't say the mentor of the other, but similar to that. You know, one came in with the other guy being the big guy on campus. And I still have hope for Boykin, too. I mean, no, I'm not. I'm not totally tossing him up. No, the, I know. Yeah. I mean, again, you're talking about a guy who's a third round draft pick to a team that doesn't really throw the football that much. Right, right, right. So Rare I don't know what he is. Though. Yeah. I, I don't either. I, I'm just glad he's here. If he's nothing, your you if know. he's your sixth receiver, I know he's a good special teams player. Right, 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 right. You know, if he's your number six, you're fine with that. Your receiving and, group is is better than it was a year ago. I think so too. I mean, even with a healthy Juju, I'd rather have this group, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, they've got fast guys. They've got big guys. They've got, uh, they've got the basketball. Variety. They have a one, you know, yeah. they have a Pickens could be a one. We don't talk Chase Claypool enough, but he's going to be on all my fantasy teams. Cause he is as cheap as can be. Everyone thinks he's a bust all of a sudden. Oh, he falls down a lot. Did you see him celebrating after that, picking up the first down? I'm like, my God, can, what, can we give this guy a little bit of a break? I mean, he was really, really good as a rookie and frankly, wasn't much different. As his a numbers, player. his numbers his were exactly much. the same, except for the <laughs> right. touchdowns. They were exactly the same. Let me say that again. Exactly the same. I wrote a story about it late in the year last year <laughs> where I looked at his numbers. The catch numbers were the same. The yardage numbers were the same. The only thing that was different was the touchdowns. Yeah. And yeah. those are those are like wins in baseball for a starting pitcher. You can't count on touchdowns. You can't count on them. And I feel like I pick on Ben too much. But frankly, if Claypool was, you know, I'm sure the book on him was if he starts pushing downfield with his vertical stem, it's going to be a go route down the sideline. You yeah. know, it's not going to, he's not going to break it off and go over the middle. He's not running. It's not a post. even going to, it's not even going to yeah. be a post. It's <laughs> not going to be a deep in. It's not going to be a deep dig. Probably won't even be a comeback. So, so you're going to sit. Think everyone knew what he was doing. You're going to sit and force him to the sideline and, and go and, play the ball in the air. Right. Right. And, and that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it, I, I just think that he didn't have a lot of chance to succeed. Does he have some things to work on? Absolutely. I don't know the young man, but I'm sure he could mature and grow up a little bit too, as all 22, 23 year olds can. But if, if he can block, I think he will be a unique slot option, yeah. if not more. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's where the Steelers are at with that position. And I think it's, it's very interesting one. Uh, and those two, uh, two rookies are a big part of that. Uh, Matt, we're going to take a break. Uh, he is Matt Williamson. I am Dale Lolly. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. When we come back, well, we've got some other looks at the Steelers roster and what they did in the offseason and, well, what everybody did in the offseason. We'll get to that right after this here on The Drive. Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At s Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why s Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, s Bank is here to help. Learn how s Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. s Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by J.D. Power. For J.D. Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. 